okay, humanism. Um, I spelled centering in your American way for you guys because it's actually spelled wrong. Centering should be spelled C-E-N-T-R-E, -E, but um, Americans can't spell. So, um, anybody like who knows me well, I like everything to go back <laughs> to roots um, because I think one of the biggest problems we have in almost every single discussion, um, in, in my personal opinion, um, in general with, with, with church, is that we often really forget um, where we come from, what we believe. And so we, got, we get caught up in discussions and we forget where things come from. So I'm going to do a very brief history of the world. Um, <laughs> and I promise it's going to be brief. Um, but I, I, I want to do it because um, I want to place humanism in its context and its history of civilization. Um, because it's a little baby um, right now. Whereas we sometimes uh, view it as much bigger than what it is. And we're also more influenced than, it, than maybe we should be. So obviously... We believe that God created the world. We believe that God created the world out of love. Um, he didn't create man to be a slave. He didn't create man to shout out constant nice things at him. That was not the command. God created the world, made man, his image and likeness, to make woman, said, here's your planet, till the earth subdue it, it's yours, figure it out. Um, even till the earth subdue it, to some extent, is almost like a, is a command to science, is one way to meditate on it. Um, and he said, just um, don't do wrong. Don't, don't, don't eat from this tree right, right now. And I'm not going to have a long talk about that. Um, that's its own topic. Um, but sin entered the world. And sin, um, I want to make very clear right now that I'm not talking about sin um, just in, like in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a legal way. There is some merit to that um, idea, but... What I'm talking about right now is not sin as, as a legal transgression, as much as it is that sin is to go against one's nature. This is a very big deal for the humanist discussion, actually, because the nature of man is that man is made in the image and likeness of God. So man was actually elevated to be above animals. So animals have a lot of things in common with humans but humans were given something above and beyond which is the image and likeness of god to sin is to just go against that why am i saying that it's almost like if you can understand it properly it's like saying your nostrils are for breathing um and for filtering out the nasty stuff in in, in the air as much as possible so what the nostrils are not for um, is for shoving gum um, in it. That's not a proper use of a nostril. Sin is the same about your nature, about your spirituality, about your person, that you're in the image and likeness of God. It's to take some function and use it in a wrong way, right? So that's a big deal because we chose sin, as we all know. Um, we still choose sin, um, at least I do. Um, and it has its repercussions. So sin resulted in the fall, um, and it, the, the disease of sin started taking over. We were we were so messed up that we forgot what it was to look like. So almost so this is even more relevant, I think, today with COVID, 
is that if you can think of sin like a pandemic where it was necessary to isolate um, a few for the sake of saving the whole world so there'd be some semblance of what humanity was supposed to look like, that's what happened. Um, but man didn't really care. Like, they were saved, and within no time we saw issues. Um, so God had rebooted with, with the flood, as we said. Sodom and Gomorrah is like no time after, where man is still saying, I don't care. So then God said, okay, people don't like me, no problem. I'm okay with that. I don't like it. I'm going to fix it still. I'm not giving up on them. But what I'll do is I'll show the world, I'll teach the world through a particular people. So he was looking around saying, is there anybody here who actually cares about good? He found Abram, he became Abraham, made a chosen people. So that wasn't even how God wanted to start. But what I'm trying to also drive home is that there was always a tendency of humanity to reject God. So when God chose a special people, um, Genesis happens, they're stuck in Egypt, Exodus happens, um, where he's saying, no, you, I told you my special people, I will rescue you, etc. Um, but even the people of God, even the people of God were so prone to sin still that they also forgot what it looked like to be healthy. Okay, and why am I what am I why am I emphasizing this is because to be a human is to be in the image and likeness of God. That's that's it's an identity thing, which we're going to see as we get more into the humanism part of things. Why 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 I'm stressing this this as a problem, right? So now imagine if people are just so sick that sick becomes the norm. If there's not some kind of textbook or documentation or something that reminds people of what it what it means to be healthy, then the people have no idea and actually unhealth or, or, or disease becomes the norm. So to, to picture this, imagine if um, the whole of North America became obese, and we're not that far from that anyway, myself included. Um, but let's say that obesity became the norm. If everybody was obese and then they, their kids are consequently obese and culturally we accept obesity and we are commercials, we, we, we make beauty out to be always everyone who's obese. The person who is really skinny is going to be seen as weird, right? Like they're going to stand out as being weird. Um, and so the Lord gave them the law. And the reason for the law was not to say, okay, let me bring them in line. Let me teach them what to do. Actually, the law was there as a straight line to remind the people of what it looked like to be a real human, a real human in the image and likeness of God. A real human doesn't steal. A real human doesn't lie. A real human respects. A real human doesn't cheat on his or her husband. A real human doesn't treat animals badly. A real human doesn't treat strangers badly. A real human, these are what the law was showing them. Um, he sent them the judges to help them, help to give them a means of bringing people in line to say, how do we figure out how to be human in the situation? The judge was there, right? It was there to, you could go to the judge and say, how do we deal with our conflict? And the judging was not a judging of people, right? The judge would say, you're the bad guy, you're the good guy. The judge was saying, here's how to rightly divide the word of truth in your situation. Here's how to be the right human in the situation in which you find yourself. But the people said, we don't like that. We like what everybody else in the world is doing. People that you didn't choose, we want to be like them. We want kings. We want riches. We want glory. We want chariots. We want stadiums. We want wars. So the Lord said, fine. Didn't, didn't 
see why they would want that, but he didn't argue with them. Actually, Samuel argues for him, and he's like, don't worry about it, right? They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. So they give them their kings. The people still go wrong. The kings mostly go wrong. There's very few good kings um, where nobody's living what it means to be a human. And so God keeps sending these prophets to say, yo, guys, chill. Um, this isn't what you're meant to be. You're not, you're not resembling the people of God right now in any way. People didn't like prophets, so they tended to kill them. You had a poor life expectancy if you were a prophet. But the Lord was looking to fix our fake humanity, right? Our broken humanity. Um, and so the Lord literally ends, enters into time and says, I'll show you what it looks like to be a real human, among other things, okay? There's many things that the Lord did in his, in his incarnation, but among many of the things he did was to show us precisely what it means to be a real human. And so the Lord comes, starts a new era where everybody is the chosen people. It's not just the Israelites. Um, and that's actually not really new. And that's why I have new in quotes, because technically God always wanted the whole world. That wasn't new. Um, but now the official Ecclesia assembly, um, that's why we say pray. Lord, for this assembly, we're saying church. Um, so the early church forms from everybody. And the early church found herself in a similar world to what we find now of paganism and hedonism. Um, paganism being worshiping false gods um, and idolatry. And I just want to just very quickly say idolatry is really simple. It's really taking anything out of its natural order and giving it a different order. I'm not going to falsify too long right now. And we didn't do that differently from what the early Israelites did. We started infighting. We started splitting. We had our split from, well, actually before us was the Assyrian Church of the East and Historians. Um, they, they split in the, in the, in the fourth century. Um, then we did. Actually, sorry, they split in the er earlier in the 5th century than we did, 431. We split 451 from the EO and the Roman Catholic Church. Um, they weren't called that yet. That's who they became. Um, the Church of Rome and the Church of Constantinople split in the year 1054, right? Fast forward 500 years and you got um, the Protestant Reformation. And then they split from the Roman Catholic. So we had our own... But in the Middle Ages and the Dark Ages, this is important to the conversation about humanism. Um, Western Christianity, not so much Eastern. Um, we've done other things wrong. We just didn't do that one wrong. Um, became in the view of popular history. I, I, I say in the view of popular history not to sound sarcastic, but because none of us were there. I don't know really how severe it was in factuality and, and, and everything. But it seems like there was an actual real trend of um, harshness towards learning, towards science, towards discovery, towards all of these things. And whenever we take harsh stances on things, it usually makes them grow. Right? When you persecute something, often what it will do is, is grow. So this resulted actually in the Renaissance. People got cultured um, and, and they started exchanging thoughts, ideas. People started traveling, they started learning about, about other religions that they weren't interacting with, like Buddhism in China, Hinduism. All these things started to have an exchange of thought. And people started to read. And for a long time, um, at least in the West, and this is a big deal because this is a philosophy that mostly affected the West, the humanism, um, 
people weren't allowed to read the Bible. The Bible was read to them in church and it was interpreted in church, but people weren't able to have their own Bibles in their home. So there's, there's these things that we might not have recognized as um, luxuries that we had. So as people started reading the Bible, like when they had this revolution against the church, the Reformation, all that happened. Um, and by the church, I actually mean specifically the Roman Catholic Church. Um, people started reading the Bible in its original languages. And the Enlightenment had many people saying, okay, wait, it doesn't have to mean this, it doesn't have to mean this, it doesn't have to mean this, the Greek says this, the people said this, these are other ideas, etc. And in the Enlightenment, people came to value reason over faith, um, which is a really false dichotomy, because faith here is not really what faith really means. What, what most people meant when they were saying reason over faith here was my intellect over blind belief. And so I'm saying that because sometimes we still use faith as though it means that, which is not what faith really means, but it is what faith really came off to be in those times because people didn't really know anything. So it's just like we just believe. And so people were rationally saying, well, that's not enough for me. I don't want to just have somebody tell me, here's the truth, take it from me, and that's it, and have no conversation. So that resulted in People saying, let's strip ourselves of God and let's favor rationality. So there's a movement towards atheism on the one hand, but then there was also from within Western Christianity a movement toward what's called deism. Okay, Deism is this concept where there's a God, but he has nothing to do with us. He's over there, we're over here, we don't talk. He doesn't care about you. Okay. Now, because of this change towards reason, science, rationality, etc., the Industrial Revolution happened. People feel really proud of themselves. We're, like, making crazy progress, and all this stuff is happening. But in the middle of this, in the background of this, is this sentiment towards anti-religion, anti-theism. Okay? Because I think some people wrongly identify as atheists today, where they're really just anti-particular. That's its own discussion as well. Darwinism comes out in the 19th century. Charles Darwin goes to Galapagos Islands, makes his observations. And so suddenly it's like, aha, maybe this could be the alternative to religion. Maybe this could be the alternative to, um, to God. Even though Darwin didn't necessarily actually have that in mind, that was one of the ways in which it was used. It was not the only way in which it was used. It was just one of them. That became a big deal. Um, but then we all got distracted because then we all just started going to war. So the first half of the 20th, 20th century was marked by wars, right? 1899 was the Boer War, 1914-1918, World War I, 1939-1945, World War II. In between, you had the Depression, you had the Roaring Twenties, you had all these things that are going on, people were distracted. And then we finish fighting, and then you get the cliche, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And you get this sexual revolution of the 60s where people went from one extreme to a whole other extreme. Where it was, part of my language, quoting a song, love, sex, intelligence, that was the theme song. Not the theme song, but a theme song. Um, and now people were so enlightened that they were saying, no, this is my choice, my body. You had the um, feminist movement, abortion became a big discussion. Um, as we moved into the 70s, 
Um, and the language of people starts to change. But I'm, I'm, I'm giving this in order because I want to kind of see that things come from things. They don't just happen. Things are in history happen in context. There's reactions and more reactions, reactions to the reactions and there's ideas and there's concepts and there's big events and these all provoke events. And then we come into this post-enlightenment era that I was born in, I don't know the age group of people here, um, what you were born in, but any, any of us born in the late 70s, the, the early 80s, early to maximum late 80s, were the, were the, were the, were the first kind of fruits of this post-sexual revolution time. Um, and so you have all these isms for our generation, modernism, pluralism, relativism, these are buzzwords um, for us growing, growing up. Um, when I did this a decade ago as the IT generation, I don't really think that's what it is anymore. I, I would probably characterize this generation as the social media generation, um, but it doesn't matter. So underlying all of this was a formal movement of saying the world centers around man. Okay, we're going to get into what it, what they, what what the beliefs are in a second, but I want to point out that there's this subtle thing that was going on in the background that was a really big deal. Linus Pauling. Yeah, I, I'm I'm throwing out names because I want to show you that these aren't nobodies. They're into humanism. I'm not talking about some concept that like. You know, somebody came with it in the garage and it's not really a big deal because no one really thinks it and the church is just like... Because I usually don't like preaching against something. Like, that's not my, my thing, to be quite honest. Um, I'd rather preach what we do believe than, than what we what we don't believe. Um, but I, I want to draw attention to it because um, sometimes people think that we're making a big deal out of things that there's not really an issue. But I'm like, here's a big... This, these are big shots that signed the manifestos. And the manifestos we're gonna get into are basically like these humanist creeds, if you will. Okay. Um, where they say, here's what we believe. Okay. So Linus Pauling, for those of you who studied any chemistry of any kind, you did orbital or orbitals, right? So you had your SPDF orbitals, right? Coming out, I'm glad I remember anything. Right, your 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 quantum, all of this that's from this guy, and he's one of the first signers of the Humanist Manifesto. Isaac Asimov, um, many of you from my generation will recognize that name. DNA, the Watson of Watson and Crick who discovered the DNA helix. Watson is one of the one of the signers, and it worked its way into the music, um, as we'll we'll see later, but. Music is a big deal to me because I love music, um, but because the concepts of humanism are deeply pervasive um, of modern culture. So the question is, is, is it harmless? Is it just, you know, here's a bunch of people in a corner that have an idea. What's the big deal? There's a people in the corner that are Seventh-day Adventists. There's a people in the corner that are this. Like, what's, what's, what's the big deal? So I want to quote from you some pieces of um, the manifestos from different books written by people who signed the manifesto 
or that are considered like some of the, the church fathers of, hum, the, of humanism, um, if you will. Man stands alone in the universe. Sorry, I need to, what do I need? there we go. Sorry, I have to move the zoom part because I can't see the words. Man stands alone in the, in the universe, a unique product of a long, unconscious, impersonal, material process with unique understanding and potentialities. These he owes to no one but himself, and it is to himself that he is responsible. He is not the creature of uncontrollable and undeterminable forces, but is his own master. He can and must decide and manage his own destiny. This is George Simpson, a famous Harvard paleontologist. What is he saying? He's emphatically saying, guys, there's no big guy in the sky. You are alone. You are alone. Not only are you alone, but remember the, the long narrative we just went through. You are not a product of any kind of design of God in any way, shape, or form. Right? And I'm not even taking a shot at evolution. I'm talking about atheistic evolution. He's saying, no, there was no intention, intentionality to you. It was impersonal. It was purely material. And that you owe nothing to anyone. Humanism. You are the center. Okay? You owe nothing to anyone. You are responsible only to yourself. Nobody affects you. You need to figure out your destiny. Sorry, I clicked next and it's not happening. There we go. Ashley Montague from Princeton. Absolute truth belongs only to one class of humans. The class of absolute fools. Again, part of why I'm saying this is that some of these people are professors at big shot schools. And so think of if this is who the teacher is and they're the ones supervising PhDs and masters and all these things, what do you think is the tone of people going through science programs at these schools? Julian Huxley, we must now be prepared to abandon the God hypothesis and its corollaries like divine revelation, i.e. Bible, saints, anything, or unchanging truth, saying there is outright no such thing as absolute truth. Point blank. We're not just accusing them. These are all their words. And to change over from a supernatural to a naturalistic view of human destiny. I'm a Canadian, so I'm throwing out Canadian. Kai Nielsen's famous here, or was. I don't know if he's anymore, if she's anymore. In cultures such as ours, religion is very often an alien form of life to intellectuals. Living as we do in a post-Enlightenment era, it's really difficult for us to take religion seriously. The very concept seems fantastic to us, that people in our age can believe that they have had a personal encounter with God, that they could believe that they have experienced conversion through a mystical experience of God, that they are born again in the Holy Spirit, is something that attests to human irrationality and a lack of sense of reality. Tell us how you really feel. I use the word humanist to mean someone who believes that man is just as much a natural phenomenon as an animal or plant. Pay attention. That his body, mind, and soul were not supernaturally created, but are products of evolution. 
and that he is not under the control or guidance of any supernatural being or beings, but has to rely on himself and his own powers. Talked about music. This was the theme song, guys, of all the hippies. It's still the kind of song that you'll you'll see on The Voice, X Factor, American Idol. I remember seeing one season where they made a point of making sure that the religious person was playing this song. Imagine all the people living for today because it all ends. There's no countries. You don't kill or die because when you get rid of religion and no religion too, all the people live their life in peace, right? And then it's it's given its beauty. You may say, I'm a dreamer. I'm not going to sing the whole song. If you don't know the song, check it out. Um, let me turn off the music. So it's it's pervasive. Okay, I chose that song just because I, I'd be surprised if most people who listen to any music, those of you who don't at all look at you, um, wouldn't know that song. We believe, okay, this is, this is part of the humanist um, manifestos. We believe, however, that traditional or dogmatic or authoritarian religions that place revelation, God, ritual, or creed above human needs and experience do a disservice to the human species. Any account of nature should pass the test of scientific evidence. In our judgment, the dogmas and myths of traditional religions do not do so. We find insufficient evidence for belief in the existence of the supernatural. It is either meaningless or, or irrelevant. The question of the survival and fulfillment of the human race, usually I'd ask thoughts. It's not going to give them, apparently. Um, on ethics, I'm going to come back to these. So, first point is that concept of God, stupid. Concept of morals. We affirm that moral values derive their source from human experience. Ethics is autonomous and situational, needing no theological or ideological sanction. Ethics stem from human needs and interests. To deny this distorts the whole basis of life. Human life has meaning because we create and develop our futures. Happiness and the creative realization of human needs and desires individually and in shared enjoyment are continuous themes of humanism. We strive for the good life here and now. The goal is to pursue life's enrichment despite debasing forces of vulgarization, commercialization, bureaucratization, and dehumanization. Reason and intelligence are the most effective instruments that humankind possesses. There is no substitute, neither faith nor passion suffices in itself. The controlled use of scientific methods to transform the natural and social sciences since the Renaissance must be extended further in the solution of human problems. So, what this is saying, I'm just debating how to go about doing things because of the lack of discussion. Um, whatever meaning whatever morality you can think of is just based on a situation. The most moral thing to do is, is relative to your experience and, and what you're in. Okay. And it's autonomous. You're in charge of it. Um, and it does not need any theological or ideological sanction. Irony of ironies is that 
they're presenting an ideology. So they're presenting an ideology that says there's no such thing as ideology, but we're going to tell you what your ideology should be. Because right after saying there's no ideological sanction, they then tell you, no, it stems from human need and interest. That's the ideology. And to deny this distorts the whole basis of life. I don't know on what basis. Then they tell you the meaning of life. The meaning of life is creating and developing our futures. I don't know who got to decide that. Not against it. I'm just saying who decided that. And I'm, and I'm being sarcastic and a little bit aggressive to say, you're claiming no ideology while providing an ideology. Happiness, whatever that is, and the creative realization of human needs and desires are the themes of humanism, which lacks a definition. We strive for the good life. Again, what, what's good? I don't know. But apparently it's here and now, which is very interesting. Because if you're going to apply an ideology that says here and now is, then what does that mean, for example, about saving money for the future as a country? Forget religion. What does that mean about road planning? What does that mean about anything if it's all about here and now? The goal, they provided your goal while saying you shouldn't have one, is to pursue life's enrichment despite the basing forces of all these isations. Again, very interesting to me, is that they're, they're saying there's no such thing as right and wrong. It depends on the situation. And yet, here they're saying these are wrong things. Vulgarization, commercialization, bureaucratization, and dehumanization. I hope that what you're seeing is that they said, take away God of being in charge. You're your own master. But hey, we're smart people. Let's tell you what you should think. They've All they've done is replace God with with themselves and by that I'm not even trying to defend God I'm actually just trying to make a point of you're being logically inconsistent you're telling people do not let anyone tell you what to do while doing that very thing that, that's actually what I'm trying to point I'm not even trying to say oh my gosh I can't believe they said that about God I don't really care what they think about God um, what I'm trying to say is you're, you're, you're inconsistent there is no substitute to I don't know what, um, not even faith or passion. What they're saying is, let's make science the ideology. Whereas science actually, objectively, was never meant to be an ideology. Science was always meant to be about observations of facts, about the natural world, about what we can interpret from objective truths. It was not meant to answer questions of meaning. So, um, what time is it now? Because, okay, I'm going to skip this slide and come back to it. I'll do the survey, the, 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 the survey stuff on its own. So, some people might look at that and say, okay, you know what? They've taken it to an extreme. Okay. Um, is it possible for me to take some of those concepts, you know, and baptize them and, and be a Christian version of this? Can I be a religious humanist? Can I be a human-centered um, theist? I almost, I, I mean, I have an opinion about that, but I would rather them answer you because in the, to them... Uh, no, you can't. You're not welcome here. 
humanism cannot this is not my words this is all theirs and all this is is quoting from them humanism cannot in any fair sense of the word apply to one who still believes in god as the source and creator of the universe christian humanism would be possible only for those who are willing to admit that they are atheistic humanists it surely does not apply to god intoxicated believers so sorry folks you are not welcome okay so if you think you can then, then the humanists themselves would tell you, no, sorry, Habibi, you cannot. You either be an atheist or you're not welcome to our, 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 our tea party. Um, I wanted to pull out Aldous Huxley because he's um, the founder of the hippie movement. Um, because it was interesting to see him say why, why he did this, why he does this, right? Because, you know, I was expecting this profound... Like, no, I was illumined and I was looking for the truth. But here's, here's what he says himself. I had motives for not wanting the world to have meaning. So point blank, humanism saying it doesn't have meaning. There is no meaning. Human, meaning is whatever you make. Consequently, assumed it had none. He's like, I wanted to have no meaning, so I assumed it had no meaning. And it was easy. I was able, without any difficulty, to find satisfying reasons for this assumption. The philosopher who finds no meaning in the world is not concerned exclusively with a problem in pure metaphysics. He is also concerned to prove there is no valid reason why a person should not do as he wants to do. He's saying someone of this persuasion would want to prove that he should be allowed to do whatever he wants. For myself, as no doubt for most of my contemporaries, the philosophy of meaninglessness was essentially an instrument of liberation, right? It's like this discovery that we're meaningless was the most liberating thing. The liberation we desired was simultaneously liberation from a certain political and economic system and liberation from a certain system of morality. We objected to the morality because it interfered with our sexual freedom. Forget whether I agree as a Christian. That's not what I'm interested in here right now, right? I'm not here to say here's why that's a dumb idea from a religious perspective. It's that on the one hand, they're saying there's no such thing as meaning. There's no such thing as absolutes. There's no such thing as something being just called wrong. But that's exactly what they're saying, right? They're, they're saying, no, here's the new list of how you should think. So is this new? No. Right? If, if, if King David way back in the day is already saying the fool has said in his heart there's no God. They are corrupt. They've done abominable works. There's none that do, does good. That's because it was already happening. Right? I'm not going to give you a list of those, but there, we, we don't have any question about whether humanism is compatible with the gospel. I think you already know that. Um, but just, it's not new. Okay? So I think I'll use this as the, as, the, as the last slide. I might end just two minutes early because I'm going to use it as to, to have the conversation about the survey results a little bit. That's why I hope during the break, I really beg you, please, to do the survey. Um, why do we care? Because what I'm going to talk about through the survey is how it affects your thoughts specifically. Um, but it definitely affects your culture. We have been influenced by the, the Enlightenment, by the Renaissance, by the hippie movement, by these professors, these world famous class professors who are the standard of, of, of scientific teaching because they are brilliant. I'm not pretending they're not brilliant. It affects your teachers. It affects people who teach your kids. 
It affects you in every way, but you might never have actually um, paid attention to it. Because what I want to make very clear is that humanism is not an idea, it's not a philosophy. Humanism is a religion. It's a religion. It's got its own creed, the three manifestos. Um, I didn't check to see if there's a new version of it. I wouldn't be surprised if in the last 17 years there's been an update. But it's a religion. It's an ideology and it's pervasive. And to not be aware of it, you might not realize, and again, that's the point of the survey, how much it has affected you. Hopefully, as we get into the discussion, because usually we would have, this would have been 40 minutes from now because we would have talked about this out loud together, um, is that it's actually a pretty crummy one. Um, crummy because it doesn't answer really important questions, right? Religions are meant to answer questions for people. Religions are meant to answer questions of, of, of why, of why, right? So it doesn't answer the question of self. Where do I come from? Is there an objective self? It's asserting that there isn't, but it's not actually answering how they know that. They're just saying it, right? Which is exactly what, that's why I was going through the history, the Enlightenment thinkers were saying against the church. They're saying, don't tell me just what to think. That's exactly what's happening here. Where do you come from? What are you? How did you know that you're just an animal? What, how do we make sense of that we're clearly different from other animals? And I'm not, I'm not saying here's the reason not to believe them. I'm saying that a good religion should be able to answer that, even if I disagree with their answers. Like Hinduism should be answering this. Buddhism should be answering this. Islam should be asking this. Religions answer these questions. We can disagree on the answers, but humanism is a religion. And it's not answering these questions. It's a religion of saying, we're not going to tell you. In reaction to and response to saying, I don't like what you're telling me. So basically, I'm just going to say no and not have an alternative. It doesn't answer questions of death. Is there meaning in death? What is death? What happens? Is there, is there anything to death? Most religions do deal with that issue. It doesn't provide adequate meaning to anything. Because they've said meaning is whatever you make, but at the same time, they're using the word meaning. And they said that nothing actually means anything because you are a product of randomness. So if I'm a product of randomness, if I'm a product of nothing intentional, if I'm a product of nothing reasonable, I'm a product of nothing rational, I'm literally, as they said, I intentionally have only been repeating what they say. If I'm actually merely only just a product of some natural process and nothing more, then I'm sorry, there's no such thing as meaning. There's no such thing. Because if meaning is whatever anybody makes it up to be, you can't objectively call anything meaningful because you made it up. And if you made it up, I'm sorry, that's, that's the accusation made against Christianity to say that it's meaningless because it was made up, but now you've made up your own. Consequently, if you've made it up, and you yourself are, are admitting and acknowledging that there's no such thing as any kind of reason or real meaning or purpose, then on what basis can you offer any kind of authority? 
you're telling people think this and don't think this, you're saying that with authority while claiming there's no such thing as authority. That's a messed up religion. Like I'm saying this is a real problem, right? Because you can not like things in the church, you can dislike things about other religions. But hopefully those religions are at least consistent within themselves of saying we believe this because of this. Like there's that there's a logical sequence of events why we believe. You can reject that belief, no problem. But here's another alternative religion saying we don't have anything that rides off of each other because we're saying that there's no such thing as any of that. And yet at the same time, we're telling you authoritatively, sign this document. As though this document has any authoritative power. And finally, to me, it's it's man invented. Why is that a problem? Because here's a human inventing a religion saying, here's my new religion. In this religion, we are the gods. What is the proof of my religion? We godly humans called ourselves gods. It's circular. It's saying we're inventing it and we are the source of validation. Sorry, as a religion, this this just fails. Like it just fails. It's a really crummy religion. It doesn't hold. Okay, so I'll end there. It's um, because then we're actually exactly on on schedule. Um, I don't think I'm going to need a whole necessarily 45 minutes if there's not discussion, because a survey is much more meaningful when we're able to do that. But I want to use some of the survey to show that you might not. You might be like, okay, cool, that's some heavy philosophical stuff, blah, 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 blah. But I really want to show you and myself how humanistic we become indirectly um, without without realizing it. Um, glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.